This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop list, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. When you are pioneering anything or introducing new ideas to the culture, you get criticized. You do? Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear about that? <laughs> I didn't find the one. I found someone I respected and we made it the one. In a sort of longing kind of view of love, people understand each other as if by magic. Nothing in itself is addictive on the one hand. On the other hand, everything could be addictive if there's an emptiness in that person that needs to be filled. I now know that nobody changes until they change their energy. And when you change your energy, you change your life. I'm Gwyneth Paltrow. This is the Goop Podcast, bringing together thought leaders, culture changers, creatives, founders and CEOs, scientists, doctors, healers and seekers, here to start conversations because simply asking questions and listening has the power to change the way we see the world. Here we go. Today's guest is my dear friend, Cameron Diaz. Over the years, it's been incredible to watch Cameron's path unfold. What I admire most about Cameron is her curiosity and willingness to be a student of life. Her organic wine company, Aveline, is a testament to Cameron's passion for transparency and her unlimited capacity for learning. In our conversation today, we talked about honoring our instincts, the power of permission, why aging can be a mindset, and the joy of cultivating a friendship that gets stronger over time. Let's get to my chat with Cameron Diaz. Hi, honey. Hi, Mans. How are you? I'm good. How are you? We're on the Will Cole protocol. Aha. Uh-huh. So we're in the soup phase now. Oh, wow. I love it so much. Okay, wait. So can I ask you about this? Is it like an inflammation reduction program? You know, this is like my porn. I know this is your porn. So I feel like it's like his standard cleanse, right? Probably everybody to start. So exciting. Do you feel good? I feel amazing. Wow. Not only just like my head, but my body. And then we did all the blood tests. We haven't gotten all of our results yet. Oh Um, my God. It's so fun. (laughs) It's so good. I'm really excited for it because I feel like it's like the reset for in our life. You know what I mean? Like a real reset from here. There's no going back, you know, except for when we're in Italy. Right. Then you have to go off piece. That's what I always do. I would like to just sort of pick up on that. It's so interesting because you wrote this book, the longevity book, which is such a great book. And it was, you know, all about understanding aging on a cellular level. And you did a shit ton of research on it. I'm curious now that you're doing a reset, was this in your research, like autophagy? I don't know if you're doing like time-restricted eating, 
like, is this kind of aligned with your philosophy around longevity that you learned from researching the book? For sure. It definitely is. I know this, right? So like, I have this information. Exactly. I've read, I've, I've done the research. I've written the book. I'm now 50. I wrote that book when I was 40. You're not 50. Well, I am. No, you're not. Year, I'm going to be 50. You do this every year, every time. <laughs> because once I get past six months after my birthday, I'm essentially my. No, next- we are, we are not 50. <laughs> we are 49. Okay. 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 I'm almost 50. (laughs) (laughs) I'm almost 50. Thank you. I am at that point where it matters. Like everything matters now. Not that the the last, you know, 49 years didn't matter, but it matters in a way now because I'm right up against, you know, menopause. And that's when these big shifts come. When we start to lose our estrogen, our hormone production just disappears essentially. And with that, you know, it becomes that next phase of life. And, you know, I have this chance now and I know it, the last eight years have been really about building other aspects of myself. I had been focused so much on my physical, you know, wellness and, you know, training constantly. And I, the last eight years I shifted into another gear. I went in and did some really deep personal healing and healing with Benj and, you know, built my life in a completely different way, you know, surrounding at the center point of it being my family, my marriage, my child, my husband. And that was a complete different shift. And it really took me away from, you know, that other aspect of myself that I had solely focused on really, you know, for so long. Do you feel like there's a correlation between your physical strength and like a self-protection mechanism? 1,000%. 1,000. I mean, you know me well enough. <laughs> I love that. You're like, that's actually a rhetorical question. <laughs> that's actually a statement. <laughs> An observation you've made. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would say for sure that a lot of that was like self-protection. I mean, gosh, to look back on my former, you know, self prior to this work, my heart breaks a lot for that person, you know, and the sort of sadness of total unself-awareness. And is that a word? Unself-awareness. It is right? now. It is now. Y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, you know, I look at it, I go, oh yeah, that's what that was for. That was what that yeah. was about. I've been contemplating this a lot lately as I've been driving myself to like achieve, achieve, achieve since I was young. And I feel like so much of it comes out of injury. For example, if I, you know, do X, Y, and Z, then it's like data points to my little broken kid that like, no, I must be okay because I achieved X, Y, and Z. And I assume it's like that with physical strength. Like if you're really strong, You know, it's data points to yourself that like you can survive anything. I can survive anything. It was always life or death for me. I know. Yeah. No. So it, it always felt that way anyhow. And in some cases it was, but it always felt life or death for me from my youngest age. I can remember I was always trying to prove my strength and I know where it comes from. It's, you know, from being this scrawny little wiry (laughs) 
little crazy child <laughs> and then, you know, in a neighborhood with a bunch of boys, you know, picking up boys, you know, five times my size, you know, to just prove to them that I was strong. And it was like a parlor trick. They'd be like, get over here. And then I'd lift them up, you know, from their legs. But all of that came from trying just to prove myself you know? And And so now you're at a place where you've, you've given yourself grace from that. And Mm -hmm. which has been really beautiful to watch you traverse through because it, it's like, it takes a real different kind of strength to unpack those systems that kept you, you know, safe in your mind and kept you moving forward with like great velocity. And I really have watched you over these last, gosh, it's a long time now like seven years since you met Benj or something like that? It, we're going we're going on eight years of marriage. Wow, that's crazy. Is yeah. this like your age thing where you say you've been married for 10 years, but you really only... <laughs> Probably. <laughs> well, we got married <laughs> in 2015, so... There you go, that? okay. <laughs> so we're But that being said, one of the things that was like helped me realize like how sort of essential and to growth it was to do so was that all the tools and skills that we, we learn as a child to survive really do work because we're here. Right. So we survived it. Right. The, the, whatever tricks we learned or behavior or whatever it was really worked because we, we got through our childhood, but that was our childhood. And what worked then doesn't necessarily work now in our adult selves. You know, I went, oh yeah, like, why am I still using the mechanisms of a (laughs) five-year-old to survive when I'm one, not, I am that five-year-old. So I'll always be a part that she's always a part of me, but I can now choose to function different in the world and make different decisions and not have to use those mechanisms that were completely unconscious, by the way. It, it's the, it's the, it's the rec- recognizing them, right? And pulling them out of the darkness. Yeah, it's in- integration, right? It's like real integration. Yeah. How does your marriage help you do that? Well, I'm really fortunate to have, like you are, a partner who does the same work, you know? I mean, just having somebody who does it with you is like everything you can't do it. You can do it alone, but you can't do it to the, the degree of which you do with your partner in marriage, you know, because it's an interpersonal relationship. You can do it on your own, but if you're not engaged in a relationship where the two of you are in, entrenched in life with one another. And by the way, those are where all of those, those things come from is from the, the entrenchment with your family and your childhood with your parents and your siblings. And, you know, all of those things are woven together at that point. So like to practice doing things differently, you have to be in yet another relationship that has that, you know, that enmeshment. And so I have, I have a great partner who is, you know, just a, an incredible human and just really lucky to have, you know, found him when I did. And we were both in the same place at the same time. He said this to me the other day. He was like, you know what I noticed about us? And I was like, about the both of us. And I was like, what? And he's like, we're not half steppers. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's like, we go hard, you know? <laughs> and I was like, we really do. Like we go hard. We don't like half step, you know, we go in and 
Well, and life is finite, you know, and as we said, you're almost 50, right? It's like almost 50. She's almost I'll be 50 before you. Barely. <laughs> What's interesting is like, you know, cause you're, you're 49, you have a two-year-old, which is mind boggling to me. Like I'm exhausted watching you follow her <laughs> around when I'm sitting in my chair. <laughs> I know. It's like you're just busy, 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 busy. Uh, right. So yeah. how much of it is like, do you think, like, you know, we think of ourselves as, oh, we're on the decline, we're aging, et cetera. But how much of that is a mindset? How much of that is a factor of inflammation or of like wear and tear? Yeah. And how reversible is it? The human body is magic. You know, it really is just that every living being, all it wants to do is live. So you give it an opportunity in any condition and it, it'll find a way to stay alive. But if you create the optimal environment for it, if you give it everything that it really needs, you know, or the best that you can do, at least, I know it's really hard. I mean, I find it, you know, having a two-year-old, if I didn't have, um, you know, people who were supporting me in it, I couldn't do it as well as I'm, I'm aspiring to do it, (laughs) but you know, really hard to, to do everything, you know? So I think that it's, it really is a mindset. Let's take a quick break to talk about one of our partners. This year, we launched a new Goop travel series called The Goop List. I wanted a way to share annually what I found to be the best of the best, from my favorite places to stay in Italy to a truly special spa in Costa Rica. If you are inspired to travel more this year, perhaps because you perused our recommendations on the Goop List, hosting on Airbnb is excellent for people who frequently travel. The beauty of hosting on Airbnb is that while you're away, someone else can get as much joy from your home as you do. Alongside frequent travelers, Airbnb is also great for those who have extra space or an in-law suite that isn't always being used. If you've stayed at an Airbnb before, you know the unique experience it offers. Now you can share that same experience with others while earning some extra income. To learn more about hosting on Airbnb, head to airbnb.com slash host. Okay, let's get back to the conversation. What do you think are like the most kind of basic accessible wellness tenants? Like if people want to start feeling better right away. I think it's about... I think it's about elimination, really. Mm, Yes. It's not what you do. It's what you don't do, I think, is kind of like the easiest thing to do, right? So like, you know, if if you eat a lot of sugar, if that's one of your vices and that's one of the things that you do and you're, you know, you do it and you always regret it, you know, find what it will take for you to not have to satisfy that craving of sugar. Cause it really isn't in, it's an imbalance in, in the body and the gut when you find yourself up against, you know, an absurd, like a crazy craving for something and you can't stop yourself at that point. It's not you. It's all the microbes in your body controlling your brain <laughs> and making you eat it. We know this by science now that these microbes exist and they do have a direct line to our brain and they 
influence our behavior. It's not a little thing. That's a big thing. That's why I love Goop so much because you can find it on, on goop.com <laughs> you know, because you have that information of several different ways to, to approach that. And that I think is probably for most people, the most challenging. And it also is the most devastating to your well-being, you know, because it does take a major toll on the body. But I also think it's just like, you know, anything that you're, if you're looking at anything that you're doing in extreme, how can you moderate that behavior? You know, how can you come back to some sort of center or eliminate it completely? I think it's what we don't do that benefit us a lot more. Yeah. Not spending so much time on our phones, you know, that's for sure. Not sleeping with electronics in your room. Do you You do that? Do you take your phone out? Well, I have, I used to, but now I just, I have the monitor on my phone. So I sleep with it, but I push it as far as away as I can from my head, but I don't have any other electronics. Like we don't have a TV in the bedroom, the led lights for the light switches are all turned off so that there's just no light in the room. Right. And how do you balance? So like also what's been happening in the past couple of years, you've become an entrepreneur. You have a fantastic wine company. It's called Aveline, not Aveline, guys. I learned that the hard way. <laughs> Aveline. 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 And one of the reasons that I love it, aside from the fact that it's really delicious, is it's really thoughtful. And I think as we think about the component of wellness with alcohol, like the the fact that you guys have stripped out, you know, their organic grapes, you've stripped out all the fillers and the weird additives and the added sugar. And to be honest, it's a big difference drinking a wine like that than a conventional wine. And, but then some people are like, oh, you know, alcohol and wellness don't go together. I personally don't subscribe to that theory because I think everything in moderation, you know, but, but did you think of when you were starting Aveline, did you think of it like in, in terms of how it pertained to overall wellness and the, the impact that it would have on the body? Yeah. I mean, I think that it was born out of a personal desire on both Catherine and my part. I mean, we were feeling like even one glass of wine wasn't feeling good to us, you know, and conversation was like, but we just want to have a glass of wine. Why can't we have a glass of wine? You know, because it's not in excess, you know, and we're not asking for like, you know, to be able to drink a bottle of wine and not have a hangover. We're just saying like, let's have a glass of wine and enjoy ourselves and not feel terrible the next day. And what are the things in conventional wine that make us feel terrible the next day? I can tell you personally, when I drink a wine that has added sugar in it or colors concentrates or aren't, isn't made by organic grapes, I can feel the effects of those wines more so than when I drink a wine that is organic, that doesn't have any added sugars, that doesn't have any colors or concentrates or any of the other, you know, 73 additives that can be utilized in the winemaking process for multiple reasons, you know. I just, I feel better personally. That's what I seek out in all aspects of my lifestyle, how I live my life. I eat organic, you know, vegetables. I have for a really long time, you know, grass fed meats and, you know, trying to, you know, in the pursuit of clean, clean meats and humane meats in my home, I don't allow any, you know, toxic 
cleaning products. I have yeah, them. Very important and, too. You know, all the things that, you know, detergents for my clothing, my body, my hair, my face, everything that I try to find, you know, the, the, it to be just as, you know, in this category of clean that, you know, for us, you know, Catherine and I didn't create the category of clean for wine. Clean exists across every category of consumption at this point. It's table stakes and everything from cosmetics, skincare, food, you know, it's that you have to have like an organic product because that's what the consumer wants. You know, what I want, what you want, it's what you know, the, it's overwhelming at this point. And it's so smart that you identified that as a white space. And then you guys created the business because it really is what people well, I have a phenomenal partner, you know, Catherine, yes. she's like, so she's smart, a, such a baller. She's, she's amazing. Such a baller. She's so amazing. I mean, obviously I wouldn't have done this without her because I don't know how to start a business and it's what she does in her sleep, literally. But, no. but that, that brings me to my next question for you, which is, you know, you are super engaged in the business. It's been really fun to see you, your entrepreneurial side emerge. I'm wondering, like, what have you learned in this one plus years, you know, like versus the early days? You know, I think I've learned so much. I mean, whether or not I can actually apply it anywhere or ever do it, like repeat it, <laughs> I'd be like, I'd, you know, I'd still be, oh yeah, I remember when we did that, you know? Um, but I think that the biggest thing is really just understanding what your brand is, like really staying true to what that brand is, you know? Why did you start it? What is the sort of the values of that brand? And how do you keep maintaining that through all of the challenges that you come up across, especially with a, a product like wine. I mean, believe me, <laughs> forget about just the industry itself and how challenging the industry is. You're working with also, you know, a, a, a you're working with an agricultural product, right? So we're so reliant. I think that it's just sort of like, how do we keep from, you know, diluting what the brand is and why, you know, why we started it and what, how we can, just maintain its integrity and keep pushing it forward and building it and innovating and growing and just trying to keep ahead. And then just the business aspect of it, if you're breaking it down to like business, that's a whole, I mean, that I've learned so much about watching, you know, how this all unfolds and, you know, watching Catherine, she has so many companies as it is that she runs and has already built herself. She's so like, I don't know, business-like. <laughs> she is. <laughs> like, you're so like professional. <laughs> and I'm like always like, a, and then I bring myself down. And I'm like, calm down, Cameron, put it away, put it away, slow it down, start back, try to be, <laughs> try to be an adult here. <laughs> well, I think that you make a good point. You know, it's like when you're a founder and you're coming at something with a ton of passion, yeah. It's hard. I mean, it was hard for me. I'm still working on developing like my corporate persona. I remember when we were releasing our first Netflix show and the great marketing department at Netflix, I had this idea for an asset or I saw it on Instagram and I was like, what the fuck is this? Like, this totally goes against the whole point. Blah, blah, blah. And it's like, okay, breathe, breathe, you know? It's like, but I think it's because there's so much passion around 
enabling a vision to come to life. And there's so much work and dedication that goes in from a founder, especially when it's all passion, right? And no MBA. Right. And so you kind of have to like learn your the vernacular and learn the sort of more corporate persona. I mean, honestly, it's still remember, something that I work on. Well, it's it's so funny because I remember when we were in London, when you were doing just the Goop newsletter and your computer would sit open for like a day or two with like the letter, you would just kind of like compose it as you went. And then I'm like, hold on, I got to send, I got to send the, the letter out. And then you'd like push send. <laughs> and, then, and then like when you moved to LA and then you started like really building Goop out, I remember you were like reading all these books about, you know, entrepreneur and, you know, entrepreneurial pursuits and, you know, business. And then you've got mentors and then you started building this. And I was like, whoa, like that's serious. (laughs) (laughs) And then now where you're at, where you're just like full on, like you're a CEO, you are a boss, you are fully running the ship. And it's like, so awesome to watch and so amazing that that just like literally started on your countertop. You know, I feel like it was a little self-serving for you to put out those letters because you were like, everybody calls you for everything. Anyhow. <laughs> like, Yo, everybody just relax. My letter's coming out. You'll get all the information, put in your requests. I'll try to meet them. <laughs> like, you know, you're like trying to get back on the phone calls. But yeah, I, uh, you know, but also Catherine, you know, Catherine doesn't have any degree. She's got a GED out of high school. I love it. You know I, mean? I love like, that because it's really, it's really testament to the fact that we are, we have unlimited capacity to educate ourselves. Mm-hmm. And especially in this day and age when I think, you know, there's a generation really questioning whether college is worth it yeah. and, you know, all the student debt that people accrue, like, is it worth it? And I, I do think there's like perception around, you know, especially from like my parents' generation, did you go to college or not? And I always had a little bit of a, you know, like I felt like I had something to apologize for that I dropped out of UC Santa Barbara to try to be an actress. And like, I don't have my college degree and I don't have an MBA, but, you know, and I think you are the absolute pinnacle example of this. Like you have educated yourself to a degree that is astonishing. And, and I just, I love the fact that we have all of these ways and, you know, this generation to educate ourselves and what's available online and online universities. It's so true. And you know what the truth is, is like a lot of people go to school for shit. They don't want to even be there for. I know the example of Catherine, she took her journey to this, but it was always inside her. And as she was like looking at the landscape of the professional world, you know, she was looking for the innate sort of instincts that she had and where to apply it. Right. Totally. And I think that there's something to be said about that journey over like picking one thing and saying that that's what you're good at, or you're going to dedicate yourself to being good at when there might be a quality about who you are, that that makes sense that you would choose that, but maybe it's not quite that. You know, maybe that thing that you chose that you you could take that quality and apply it to. Maybe it's something outside of it. I know some more people who have gone to school to do something, who have got the degree and then decided once they got the degree that it's they hated what it was that they were doing and what they got educated to do. And they took what their real sort of love was and they went and did that instead. We don't teach our children to honor that in themselves, you know? I agree. And I, that's why I'm really 
encouraging Apple when she goes, you know, and she's looking at all the courses. And I said, you know, just do things that light you up, that make you happy, that will keep you interested. Don't prescribe yourself that you have to do this or be X, Y, and Z. It's like, enjoy the process. If you're going to go to college, enjoy the fact that you have this four-year buffer well, it may end up being less than that, but that you have this buffer between childhood and adulthood where you can explore who you are and, and your intellectual capacities and, and what makes you excited. And so I just, I think they're, these kids put so much pressure on themselves. I mean, you know, it's like, it's wild. I, because they don't have parents like you who say that to them. But even I've said that to her and she's, you know, like drove herself really hard to get in. And, right. you know, it's like, because it's the community around them. And, you know, I remember her saying to me, quite frankly, when in the middle of her junior year, when it was so tough and, you know, the homework, I was like, it doesn't really matter, honey. Like, it's okay. It doesn't matter. You don't have to get into one place or the other. Like, you're a great person. You're brilliant. You're hilarious. Like, it's going to be okay. I don't care where you go. And right. she said, well, then why did you put me in a school where everybody else cares where we go? There you go. And I was like, well, I can't argue. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. That's why I'm not even putting my daughter into <laughs> a school at all. I'm just kidding. Never. <laughs> Never. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Does she doesn't need school. She's already so she's like a, the Buddha. She already has all all the knowledge in there. You see it. It's just like it's crazy. Oh man, she is painfully cute. It's really. And what about that whole thing? Like how I like being a mom. I, it's my favorite thing in the whole my whole existence that I've ever done. It's the best thing ever. You're right. You were right. I told you so. <laughs> I mean, those conversations back in the day, you're like, I'm not sure. I'm not sure I want a kid. You're like, you're going to have a child if it's the last thing I do. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you are. (laughs) It's like, okay, relax. Gotcha. I was like, okay, okay. I was not convinced that I was going to, even though you were like, so, oh yeah. I was like, you have to be, I just, of all the people you, you just had to be a mother. Look, it's like, not everybody is, wants to do it and that's great, but I knew you were one and I was just trying to pull pull her out of you. Yeah, you were, I love you for that. And I <laughs> think about it all the time and I totally give you credit. So hard. Like, <laughs> right at the top, you and Benj, both the two of you, if it wasn't, well, it was, if it wasn't for him, obviously I wouldn't. Be yeah, then definitely not. <laughs> I just want to ask you, go back to what we were just talking about for a second, because in a, in a sense you were talking about like, you know, Catherine essentially giving herself permission, right, to see herself as a powerful business person. And sometimes I think that's the hardest mm-hmm. part. And I feel like you've really done that with stepping away from your movie career mm-hmm. and then starting a business. I'm curious what your process of giving yourself the permission to step away from Hollywood was like, what, what did that feel like? And how did you do that? And why did you do it? I think it was probably one of the easiest things I've ever done. (laughs) You know, I don't know. It was one of those things that was just very decisive for me. It's not so much whether or not I like just to the permission to do it was like, 
how do I, how do I do this? Like, how do I untangle myself from it? For the first few years, like I literally would not do anything or go anywhere. I said no to everything. And were you scared on any level, like financially, or what does this mean in terms of my place in the world or nothing? No, I mean, I don't care. I'm like, I, I don't care. I love I you. You know what I mean? Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I really like, I don't care. Like, I wasn't like, I'm not in competition with anybody. I know. I, I love that about you. I'm not competing against anyone. You know, I know that's why we are simpatico. <laughs> I want to ask you about female friendships too, because like you have the most amazing group of women around you some of whom you've bestowed upon me as a gift through the course of our friendship, like Drew and Lake and a whole and, bunch of... And the same, I've gotten so many from you as well. So many. And... Um, amazing ladies. Women. Amazing, amazing women, like absolutely extraordinary women. And I learned this thing in an executive offsite with this great coach. She was talking about the dynamics of a team and she was saying there three kinds of knots. There's a square knot, which you tie it. And the more you pull it, the stronger the knot becomes. And the knot is stronger than the ropes. There's a slip knot, which, you know, usually you can rely on, but sometimes not. And then there's a noose, right? And she was talking about it within the context of working in a team, but it just occurs to me now, you know, it's like, I feel like we have this group of women that are square knots. There's no competition, looking over our shoulder. It's like this crazy, hardcore, non-judgment, love, acceptance, support. And, you know, you're one of the main women in my life. You've also taught me so much about female friendship in the way that you have just never judged me at any turn. And you've made me feel like I'm accepted and that my mistakes in the past don't define me and that there's a space for me to grow into. And like, you've just been such an amazing, important friend to me in, through all these years. In the same, I feel everything that you said is just literally the same thing I feel for you. Like I, like, I can't even, I know, don't make me cry on put it into words because I can't because, because of your California tongue, my California tongue. <laughs> <laughs> but, but will you tell me a little bit about how you cultivate your <laughs> friendships? I don't know. I mean, they I just think, are there. They're, it's just an axiom. Yeah. It's just that like the people who are not your people, you don't give your time to. And you have really taught me about that too. And I'm getting much better yeah. at that. I still have a little ways to go. You're a lot better though. I am right. I used to be way too trusting and like, it's because you're so generous, you know, you give so much of yourself. And I think that you feel like if you're not giving to somebody who asks for something that you're like a bad person, Yes, totally. Or, you know, and, but just because somebody asks, doesn't mean that they're necessarily in need of something. They just know that you'll give it to them. And maybe why they're asking isn't because of need. It's just out of some other motive, you know? I hate this word to use this word because I don't want to minimalize. Like, I don't want to make, it's not about making you feel bad or anything like users, people who are users, you know, who just know that they can sniff out people. That They're are, good at it. Right. They're they're really, at it. Like, they, they can sniff it out. You know what I mean? And by the way, I've had that 
in so many different aspects too. I've fallen victim to people can sniff out my weaknesses you know, and I've been crippled by that many times. Everybody has their weakness and there's always going to be somebody who can smell it <laughs> and a predator of sorts yeah. to, you know, to exploit it. I guess for me in the past, I felt like, oh, I don't know. This person doesn't feel totally safe, but you know, gosh, do I believe in the capacity for people to heal? And maybe I should give this person a chance and help create the space for them. But now I'm like, I'm almost 50. Like, I want to be more like you in this way. You're just like, no, thank you. And your boundary goes down, you know? Now, in certain circumstances, like I said, I have my own, my own issues. You know, we're all responsible for ourselves, you know, especially when we get to be this age. You know, I mean, I, I can look at a younger woman in her twenties, you know, and I have plenty of girlfriends who are younger than I am, who, you know, I am very honest with them about, you know, the challenges of that I've gone through at their age and hopes to give them some sort of, you know, idea of what is, you know, what's possible, like where, yeah, you know, we do all exist in these places at certain times in our lives, but we can't actually grow out of them. How do you do that? You know, it's possible. You have to take that journey. You know, if you don't, it's, you may as well just lay down and, you know, in, in the bed of suffering that you exist in at this moment and pull the covers up and get comfortable in it. Because if you don't do it, if you don't do that healing, if you don't take the journey, you know, you're going to get stuck, you know, and I've seen people get stuck. There's people in my rear view mirror for sure. You know, Mm -hmm. for sure. I want to know what's next for you, both in life. What are you making for dinner? What's next for Aveline? Like, what are you into right now? What country do you want to go to? Just give me quick. It's like quick fire. Oh okay, I'm I'm gonna. It's like a quick fire round. Okay, so what are you making for dinner? One of the soups that are in my fridge freezer. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> Perfect working mom dinner. What's totally just put it in the pressure cook- cooker for one minute. Okay, good. What's your favorite restaurant in LA? Ooh, I don't know. It's been so long since I really went out to eat, but I do love me in like an Ebaldi situation. What country do you want to go to next? Italy. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Are you ever going to do a movie again? I never say never to anything. Do you have like specific health goals set for yourself? Like, do you want to be able to run a certain amount of time? Or like, what what are you benchmarking? I don't have any sort of like actual metrics that I'm trying to. I just want to feel the strength in my body that I know I'm capable of feeling. What is next for Aveline? Um, well, we just launched cans. Uh, the cans last week. The cans are so good. And by the way, if anyone's listening who has teenagers, hide the cans. <laughs> but by the way, like you can tell if they're missing because there's only four to a pack. <laughs> I know, believe me. But the cans are everything, honestly. The cans are, and what what are in the cans? Tell everybody because they're so our, good. Our white wine and our rosé are in cans. And I know, you know, the sort of like wine connoisseurs are like, oh, you can't serve wine in cans. You're like, yes, you can. Oh, yeah, I can. <laughs> and, uh, and they do and we are. So, you know, it's really about efficiency. It's about personalization, right? So like when, when we have a dinner here, a family dinner, 
I'll open a bottle of red wine because the majority of the family drinks red, but Nicole always wants just a glass of white. So instead of opening up one bottle of white for Nicole, now I can just open her a can of white and it's the perfect amount of white for her. And you don't overserve yourself, which I love. So like for me right now, I'm only drinking one drink a week at the most. So for me to ha- to know that like ah oh, this is I can have this can and I can sort of sip on it and yeah. make it last absolutely and they're so cu- like they're so chic and cute at the same they're time they're so cute I don't know how that happens but it did I went to dinner the other night with a girlfriend who doesn't drink and I knew I wanted a glass of wine and I went and had sushi and I just like popped a can in my fanny pack oh Jesus you have a fanny pack. <laughs> You and Don D's with your freaking fanny packs. No, I love it. I love it. I love my fanny pack. And it was like perfect. Well, you are perfect. And even with any imperfections, you are are. my favorite people in the whole world. And I love you. And thank you for coming on the Goop podcast. I'm so proud of you and everything that you're accomplishing. And you're just an inspiration. Right back at you, mama. I love you so much. And you're my inspiration. And I don't know what I would do if you weren't in my life, my sister. Thanks for listening to today's conversation with Cameron Diaz. To learn more about Aveline, head to drinkaveline.com. Thanks for tuning in. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13 Studios. I hope you'll listen, follow, rate, and review all of our episodes, which are available for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Odyssey, or wherever you get your podcasts.